Welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith, and we promise to get back to your questions soon, but first we have to talk about what we're up to, as it's been two months since we did that, so that's what we're doing today. So, there's like a month where I have to change our opening. Just two guys answering the internet's questions, because <laughs> for fuck's sakes, we haven't even come close to answering. Although, to be fair, last week Jeremy and I did answer some questions. And I, I figured you guys probably did, but from a Dave and Sean standpoint, literally it's been a month where we are not talking, not taking any questions because yeah. we have too many other things to do. But they were questions that we had previously. Exactly. That we've that just expanded That people on. really wanted us to keep doing. Like mm-hmm. today. Today was something that we were asked years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we just decided that we liked it, so we're going to keep her going. Well, that and we got asked to keep doing it, plus these always seem to do really well because people seem to care what we're up to which is weird. so i don't care uh, i don't care what we're up to but if people want to keep listening to all the things we're doing then i'm more than happy to to do that because it takes about the least amount of prep work yeah it's just it's literally making a list of the stuff i've been doing yeah so and i generally keep it going over the two months just that way i don't have to be like what was i watching two months ago it's like i just write it down and i'm good to go yeah. So what we're saying is, we like doing this one. Mm-hmm. You guys like listening to us doing this one, so we're going to keep doing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, here we go. Uh, we're starting, as we usually do, with playing, right? Yes. Okay. We didn't decide who's going to go first, but I'm pretty sure you went first on the last top ten we did. Sure. So... I'm going... I did, because it was the, the movie preview, because I was going to talk about Aquaman right. as my number one, because Aquaman, so... Right. There was no surprise there. Hey, Dave, what are you playing? I, I, I mean, it's been the same as the last couple. I finished up with the fantasy football season. For those of you who have listened to the last couple podcasts and had a vested interest in how my team was doing, you will be happy to know that I won my fantasy football league. Woo. Yeah, the cellar dwellers went from worst to first, which was exciting. So now, now I'm on the fence about next season. Do I change my name because technically I won the league, so I'm no longer in the cellar? Or was it the name, the disparaging name that I had given myself that brought me luck? So if I go back to like just a random pun of one of the guys on my team, do I start sucking again? That's the age old question. I- so I vote that you name them first to worst and spell worst the way it should be, as in sausage and have a sausage picture. There is that. There is that option. I like that <laughs> idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, um, yeah. So I've been playing. I, I just finished up the fantasy football season uh, a few weeks ago. <sighs> Not to sound uh, at the risk of sounding cocky, I've dismantled my brother in the finals. Um, I think my team won by about 50 points. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I had um, uh, Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley just, he was a machine for me all season. And so it yep. was, uh, it was, it was a good, it was a good fantasy football season, especially because I had gone last place two consecutive years. It was nice to get that. And so now, in my office, I'm looking up, and I've got my wrestling belt with that says "Fantasy Football Champion," and it's pretty awesome. So that's pretty great. Um, yeah, yeah. My brother got it last year as part of the fantasy, like so the winner gets this wrestling belt, like it's a legitimate championship wrestling belt, but it's got a Fantasy Football Champion on it. It's pretty awesome. So 
I was very, I was almost more excited about that than I was actually getting paid. So anyway, so yeah, that's the first thing I've been up to is just finishing my fantasy football season. And it makes me sad that I can't talk about it because it was an easy thing to talk about what I was playing. (laughs) Didn't you have two teams? Yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk about the other team. Are, Are you sure? Yeah, can't find an Edelman did not do very well. Is it because he couldn't find an Edelman? Well, I mean, he was injured all season, so that did not help anything. Um, but, well, it was a PPR league, and I don't necessarily love PPR leagues. Um, That's just, fair. Yeah, like, I, I, I drafted literally in the exact same position in both leagues, so I was third pick in both leagues, and one league just worked out way different than the other. So, I don't know how it happens, but sometimes Fortune smiles on one one team and not on the other. But the other one I paid 10 bucks to get in and the this le- the the one that I won was 50 bucks. So, you know, I won the right league anyway. Yeah, the, so the one that you wanted to to do well in, you did. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I would like to do well in both, but if I had to pick one, it would be the one with my family because I see them way more often, so I I can start sending them pictures of me wearing the belt and really piss them off. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I guess you'll have to take up fantasy baseball. <laughs> I've tried that, but that's that's a lot of commitment. I love baseball. It's a lot of work. Like that's there's so many games that I just it's too much. So I've tried it a couple of years, and I always forget that I'm in a fantasy baseball league until like right towards the end. I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder how my team. Oh yeah, I'm losing. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh? I didn't rotate my starters. That probably didn't help. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm I'm good just playing fantasy football and then waiting until the next season it's nice to have a break too yep fair enough Mm -hmm. Uh, the first thing that i'm going to talk about is a board game okay just to switch it up a little bit because i usually only talk about video games so just recently i started in a campaign in pathfinder the adventure card game skulls and shackles okay Anyone who listened to our Top 10 Board Games podcast from months ago, plug, 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 knows mm-hmm. that I am a very big fan and have the complete Pathfinder Adventure card game Rise of the Rune Lords set. And essentially what it is is it has modified the Pathfinder Pathfinder RPG system into a card okay. game that you can play cooperatively where you get a fantasy character. So if you and I were playing Dave, mm-hmm. you could be like a wizard or a druid or whatever. It's all preset and all of it has like the dice set out and what your bonuses are and everything. So it's it takes that RPG system and it distills it down to its base form. Mm-hmm. So then you have all of this stuff and then you roll polyhedral dice. So not just D6s, but four-sided dice and eight-sided dice and 12 sure. occasionally, 10. And there are decks of cards set apart, which are for locations. So it's a town square or a a shrine to a god or something like that. And in those, each one of the cards has listed what is in that place. So, And every time you play a scenario, it has a villain in it. So there's a big, like a boss fight hidden somewhere in the locations. So you have to go through the decks, encountering stuff, fighting monsters, getting past barriers, finding treasure chests, all by rolling dice, leveling up your character, and it's a progressive campaign. So if again, if you and I were playing, say you picked wizard, your wizard at the base, like when we first started, 
we would play that same wizard, and you would be leveling up that wizard through six different campaigns of five things each. So you would get 34-ish games out of one character, and it's a building story. Okay. In a card game. Weird. Now, Skull and Shackles is Uh the second box set of that. And so instead of Rise of the Rune Lords is a very well-known Pathfinder thing, but so is Skull and Shackles. But Rise of the Rune Lord is more of a traditional fantasy setting where it's there's something is uh, trouble in the area and there's like a Sandpoint Devil, which is like a dragon. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you have to deal with. Skull and Shackles is pirates. Cool. So myself, Jeremy, the the other co-host for the Gus mm-hmm. podcast, and our friend AJ recently started a campaign where I think Jeremy's like a pirate, like a ship captain, AJ's a fighter, and I am a blind oracle with crazy high charisma. And it's super fun. That sounds really cool. What's super nice about it is you can usually finish one setting. Or not setting, I shouldn't say setting. One uh, adventure, I guess, like is the campaign? best way to put it. No, the campaign would be a whole thing, like a, right. a box. Okay. But one of the five parts of it in like 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. So it's it's just a it's a concise, amazing card game system built in an RPG universe. Interesting. So that's the first thing that I've been playing. Cool. Is the Skull and Shackles Pathfinder Adventure card game. Nice. Uh, it sounds complicated, but also sounds like something that would be right up your alley. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, second thing I'm playing, it's just more a shout out to my friend CJ. I'm... I don't know if anybody else has Trivia Crack. It's one of the, it's like a trivia game on, on your phones. It was really big a couple of years ago. And then I was just like, then I was like, okay, I'm done with this game. But my friend CJ texted me. She's like, I started a game with you and you never play it. I was like, I haven't had that game on my phone for two years. I didn't even know that people were still playing it. But apparently I was still signed up for it because I hadn't signed out of the game. And so even though it wasn't on my phone, it was on, it was still on... <laughs> I was still, still signed up for having played. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so she gave me shit for not playing against her. And so I re-downloaded it, and now I'm playing Trivia Crack against my friend CJ. Which is great, because I love trivia. And, I mean, if anybody knows me well, they know that I'm kind of nerdy about how much I love Jeopardy. And so this is just a way to play trivia against a friend and just, you know, in the spirit of competition and trying to kick each other's ass. Um, I think CJ and I are one and one. So um, Nice. Yeah, so it's nice and close, and so yeah, it's just a, a fun little app to play on my phone, and you know, apparently people are still playing it, so that's cool. So yeah, trivia crack, super simple but super fun. Has it changed at all since it first came out, or is it basically still the same thing? Basically, still the same thing. Like as soon as I got, it, I was like, oh yeah, this I remember this from like two or three years ago. Fun. Okay, let's let's do this. Oh, great. Yeah. So I mean, I don't need to get into too much because it's trivia crack. If you played it, you know it. If you haven't, it's a trivia game. About crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every question is about crack. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is why we watch so much Narcos, is that way Dave was ready for trivia crack. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, the first video game that I'm going to talk about is called Uncanny Valley. Okay. Uh, it's available on PS4. I think it's on Steam as well. As for Xbox, I'm not sure. Not my jam. It's 
Ah, uh, what's the best way to put this? It's like an 8-bit survival horror game. Really? It's completely story-driven. Okay. And it's kind of like a a blend of a of an 8-bit game like what you remember from Nintendo. Yeah. And like a choose your own adventure. Okay. You're basically it's like an old-school adventure game where you have to solve very light puzzles. But most of the game and this is going to sound super weird, is executing the functions of being a night watchman at an abandoned facility. <laughs> okay. So there's literally a good chunk of this game is like, oh, I got to go to work, go to work, get there. Your boss is mad because you're a little late. Then you go on your rounds, you get through your rounds, you go back to your room, you go to sleep. You have a dream. The dream is usually scary. You go back, you go back to work. <laughs> And why not, really? That is the loose framework of it. But as you are doing your rounds, you can start finding through going on old computers and reading Mm -hmm. emails or just finding different random clues. You start piecing together what happened at this facility and why it shut down. Okay. And then also, through your dreams, you start finding out why you, I think your name is Tom, why Tom fled his old life to take this security guard job at a remote facility. Interesting. And then as you play through it, the stuff starts to melt together, he starts losing sleep, so then when he starts losing sleep, he starts maybe seeing things, or are you seeing things? It might actually Mm -hmm. be happening. And there's a whole pile of different endings. The game took about two hours for me to get one ending. I haven't done all of the other ones. Right. I might, I might not. But I got my ending in about two, two and a half hours. And it was weird, and it was creepy, and it was slow, but it felt like a really good payoff. And my ending was terrible. It was so bad for Tom. Really? <laughs> yes. It was huh. so bad for Tom. Oh, poor Tom. Do you want me to spoil it for you? Because this doesn't seem like one that you'll ever play. It was a free PS Plus game, which is why I had it at all. Yeah, no, I probably won't. So you go ahead. Because, I mean, A, I'm not on PlayStation at the moment. And if it is for Xbox, it's not for Xbox 360. So just have at her. Okay, so spoilers to one of the endings of Uncanny Valley. So take like a... If you're, if you're real concerned about it, skip ahead a minute. <laughs> okay. So... The What was happening in this facility is they were building an AI. Okay. Like androids with artificial intelligence. Okay. Uh, one of the AI essentially didn't like being alone slash wanted a full life, right? Like wanted to be human, wanted that full life, wanted that connection. Mm-hmm. So she fell in love with Tom, and so she took him to a bunker where they could live together forever but the game doesn't end there it kind of suggests that you need to try and get out so when you try to get out she then chains you to the wall and cuts off and cauterizes all of your limbs so now my tom is a torso and a head in a bunker being cared for by an ai until he dies wow the end that that does not end well for Tom. That did not end well for Tom. Holy mackerel. That's yeah. crazy, but kind of sounds awesome. 
it was really satisfying for that one playthrough. Like, I, I appreciated it a lot. Okay. So that is Uncanny Valley. If you haven't played it yet, and you obviously skipped that spoiler, um, it was PS Plus, or is... Mm, I think that PS Plus is probably going to end on Tuesday. So if you listen to this early enough, and that sounds interesting, you can still probably grab it. Okay, cool. I think I talked about this the last time we played, the last time we did this, but so I'm going to I'm gonna touch on this really quickly. Uh, I was playing Call of Duty Black Ops because I really yep. like the Call of Duty franchise. And I had mentioned this to Sean because I was like, oh, I started this game. And he's like, oh, does that mean you finished Call of Duty? He's like, uh, no. So what happened to you loyal, so, so all you loyal listeners will know, I was playing Call of Duty and then I got to a checkpoint of a level and I'm like, I was pretty far through this level. And I thought for sure, like, like, I thought as you get to these checkpoints, it saved. And so I was like, cool, I can't keep playing. It's bedtime or I have to leave or whatever. So I just turned off my, my Xbox. And then I went to go turn it on to keep playing. And it turns out I was back at the beginning of this entire level. And I was so goddamn frustrated that I just quit playing because I was just like, I went through a whole shit ton to get to this point. And now I'm here. This is stupid. So I basically gave up on Call of Duty Black Ops. I will at some point revisit it. It's just I was so pissed that I was like, I can't, I can't handle this right now. Um, yeah. Well, I know that feeling exactly where you lose a bunch of progress. You're just like, I'm not. I just no, yeah. no. Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, I'll play this and I'll get to, I'll finish this and then I'll move on to something else. But I was just like, I was so done at that point. It's like, nope, I'm not playing. This is. This is it for Call of Duty Black Ops for a while, but I own the game and I will get back to it because it's a fun game. I was just like, I can't, <laughs> I need, we need to take a break, Call of Duty. So yeah. it's still, it's still going to be played. And at some point in another, what we're up to, I'll be, I, I will be telling you guys again. I was like, okay, I started Call of Duty again. Here's where I am. And we'll talk about it. But yeah, so it's still kind of on the go because I got pissed. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next for me is the game I've played the most in the last two months, and that is Injustice 2. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, it's so good, Dave. So <laughs> It's so good. Injustice, if if I remember, that's the DC, like, uh, fighting, fighting one. Game. It's like the yep. it's like um, Street Fighter or, or Mortal, Kombat Mortal Kombat with DC characters, essentially. Okay. Yep. Mortal Kombat specifically because it's actually the same company that makes Mortal Kombat makes Injustice. Right, because if I remember Injustice, there were actually Mortal Kombat characters in it, weren't there? Yeah, you could get Sub-Zero. Okay, yeah. Or Scorpion. Yeah. Might have been Scorpion. I think it was Scorpion. Anyway, so Injustice 2 is so good? Oh, it's so good. It's a great DC story, slightly different characters, which if you know the story of Injustice Gods Among Us, that's the first one that some of the characters died in that universe, so you have to... But they bring some different ones in. Uh, Aquaman's still fun. Catwoman's awesome. Harley's great. The story is one of the best DC stories. I love the Injustice storyline anyway. Okay. I think it's really, really engaging. But they included two things that have made it stupidly good and my favorite fighting game ever. One is they put in something called the multiverses. Okay. So the way the DC comics work is there is a multiverse, right? So there's thousands and thousands of different Earths where things have gone differently. Does that make sense? Okay. So, like, on one yeah, universe, yeah. like, in the Injustice world, which is a different part of the multiverse, Superman kills Lo- is forced by Joker to kill Lois Lane and detonate a nuclear bomb that devastates Metropolis. So, in response, okay. Superman becomes a dictator. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's what Injustice is. So, the multiverse is 
every day or every few days, there's a bunch of different portals that open. Just stick with me through the idea of portals. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, it sets up a little mini story. So there's this one where Aquaman... Atlantis has invaded the surface and now Aquaman is king of the planet so you have to stop him okay. so they rotate through different things to give your fights purpose mm. so as a solo player because I'm not much for online fighting games just because it's a lot of people most of the people who remain dedicated to online servers are people who just play fighting games have sure. a fighting stick or they've been playing Injustice since it came out in May. So I'm just going to get schooled the entire time. Mm-hmm. But the multiverses keep me coming back because there's always something new to do. Couple Ooh. that with a loot box system. And what that means is that if you bought Injustice 2, and I already obviously have it, you could yeah. play as Batman. You're a Batman fan. So you, you're Batman through yeah. the loot boxes would get equipment that would make your Batman completely different from mine. Really? Yeah, so you're, there's four uh, statistics, which is strength, ability, defense, and HP hit points. Okay. So my Batman could be like a 2100 strength and uh, 1800 ability, 1400 defense, and 1400 health. Whereas yours could be a 1700 strength, but a 2200 ability with a 1700 defense, but only a 900 health. Like you could completely build a different one. And the way that happens is there's basically gear slots, like an RPG game. Yeah, yeah. Where like there's, here's a different Batman helmet. That Batman helmet gives you plus 20% damage from throws and gives you 100 points onto your strength. Like it, So they put that in for every character, and your characters level from 1 to 20. So you are leveling up your characters and their gear in a fighting game. Cool. So fun. No doubt. Oh, man, that sounds... It sounds really fun, and it also sounds exactly like something you would enjoy yeah it's it's exactly what i've always wanted out of a fighting game plus it's dc characters so it's characters i actually already care about rather than like out of the mainline fighting games i guess i'm a street fighter person but if this was what street fighter did i still probably wouldn't have got it whereas with injustice it's like i really want injustice it's great yeah i love the first one i'll keep playing it i mean so I'm not a huge fighting game fan. Like, I, I played Mortal Kombat with my friends on their Segas when I was growing up, but, like, I wasn't sure. going out of my way to play fighting games. But, man, when I was at your place and we played Injustice, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. This I, one's, it's more of that. It's just, it's pretty, and they put that loot system in, so every character gets to feel slightly different, more like your own. You build them the way you want them. Cool. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds rad. Um, and I know you've been playing a lot of it, so I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of games that we're playing a lot of, and this is why I left it for last, is because I finally started Far Cry 4. There you go. Oh, yep. my God. And that's why I quit <laughs> Black Ops, because I was just like, I want to play Far Cry 4. It's been long enough since I played Far Cry 3. I'm going to do this. And I just, I started playing it, and I am, last night, literally last night, I just eclipsed 50% on the game. So I've still got a lot to go. Now that's okay. also like, and I fully expect that I will 100% this game, like get all the po- the propaganda posters and all that, like that, I-, I plan on doing that on this one because I'm enjoying it so much. Sure. 
but it is just like it's taken a long time but that's because i'm really nursing it this time like i i cruised through far cry 3 because i was having so much fun but this one like i don't necessarily sometimes i just go around looking for random army guys to kill just because i don't want to go and take out do another mission because that gets me one step closer to being done so i just want to go and like kill guys fair yeah but it's been it's been so fun and like they're like the addition of the the grappling hook has been great and doing all kind of the side missions and everything has been really fun and i I don't know i just i'm i'm really enjoying it it is easily one of the best games i've ever played cool yeah how far are you in the story um i just met up with willis and i just liberated the airport okay cool yeah yeah you know exactly where i am now i do yeah okay now far cry 4 is my favorite of the series so far yeah i know i know it is is uh, 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 that tiny is helicopter Willis... with then the way sorry oh, go ahead no no that's right yeah is willis the same guy from far cry 3 is that the same guy you meet up with in far cry 3 the cia agent there oh i can't good rem- question i can't remember if it is or not and i was i was thinking about that yesterday is like is that the same guy like would would because he's from langley and so it's just like maybe it's the same, but i can't remember and and it's been so long since i played far cry 3 that i can't remember but when I played Far Cry 3, he also gave me a flight suit. Now, I bought a wingsuit as soon as I had the money to do it, so I didn't need it. But, like, I got it because of him, and it was about the halfway point of the game last time, too. He is, No, he totally is. Is he? Yeah, he totally was. Okay. Which is kind of cool th- now that there's, like, a little bit of a, of a thread that goes through those two. It's pretty rad. Because I think... Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I went to the Far Cry wiki, and he is, he's okay. in three and four. Nice. Okay. So. Well, look at me remembering things from games past. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, it's awesome. It's been so fun. Uh, I've just about got all the, all the hunting, well, not the hunting, but like, I've got, I'm almost at that point where all I can, all I need is the, like, the specialty animals, but I'm having a real bitch of a time finding snow leopards to kill, and that's all I need to get as as much as I can craft without, like, the specialty animals. Stupid It's snow like they're leopard. endangered. I know. And the one place that they were was in the Himalayas, but I was having a really hard time not dying from lack of oxygen. So, like, it's just been... Uh. It's been a process. So, anyway. Every now and then I come across one, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm killing you for sure. <laughs> Ah, oh, no, that's that's good. I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad you're enjoying it, and hopefully by the time we do this the next time, one of the games I will be talking about is Far Cry Five. <laughs> oh God, I'm so jealous that you're going to get to play it way sooner than me. I just this past week switched my PlayStation theme from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which it's been for two years. You know, the windmill one, you know, yeah, 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 exactly what I'm talking about. I changed it because there was a free Far Cry Five one, which is just like soft guitar and the like the church with sinner painted across it in black and the flag and like a fire burning in the background. Yeah, an occasional gunfire, and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for this game. I love Far Cry so much. <laughs> it's such a great franchise. I'm so glad because you showed me Far Cry Three originally. It was like uh, you you showed me the opening scene from Far Cry Three. It's like this looks really cool, and then I started yeah. playing it, and now like it is easily one of my favorite game franchises. I think I even had you play that, didn't we? Yep. 
I was like, I'm already halfway through, but I want you to play the opening. Yeah, with you the did. crazy like pop punk music thing where Voss is showing you your party on your own phone. Yeah, it's it's so good. So yeah, and then like I think you got me right up to the point where like I was running away and fell down into the river or something like that, and I was just like, this is insane, and I want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah, glad. Far Cry Four, loving it. Cool. The last game that I'm going to talk about is one that I just played super recently. Talked about it a bit on the Dark Half. Even, okay. And that is What Remains of Edith Finch. Okay. This was a game that was in my most anticipated games for 2017. And I oh, just wow, I okay. didn't get to it in time to be able to put it into my games of the year. If I had, it would be there. It's awesome. Yeah. It is a collection of short stories that you're basically playing through. It's like a walking simulator or a, it's a narrative experience where it's essentially you're you're going through storytelling and solving some light puzzles. But it's mostly about experiencing the story. Okay. This this one's about a cursed family in Washington state and Edith Finch is a young woman who is the last remaining Finch. Like, she's the last of the family, and she's going back to the family home to try and discover the story of the family. And you, the short stories range from the early 1900s, when they first started, like, settling in the area, to the present. You play as every story is told. Essentially what happens is Edith will find a journal or something, or a poem, about... Okay one of her ancestors Mm -hmm. and then you will play that ancestor oh cool and and it's all done in a different and some of them are in completely different styles like one of them and which was probably my favorite was done in an old ec comics like tale of the crypt keeper style so they did it in a comic book like in panels narrated by a crypt keeper it was like jack-o'-lantern or something but it was like it was ec comics and you played through it they somehow got the rights to use the music from halloween like the movie halloween so like that was one of the stories but then there was another fantasy one where like you had to you had to can salmon like cut off the head of a salmon and put it on a conveyor belt at a at a at a cannery okay with one hand on the controller the other hand was like guiding a ship down a river so you're, you're playing his imagination while he's at work nice all based off of uh of a letter from his uh psychiatrist because you find that letter So it's just like you experience all of these things and every single short story is about the day of their death. Whoa, that's dark, so but it's kind of awesome. It's like this, there's some supernatural horror stuff to it. There's a really, really sad one where you play a baby. That's all I'm saying. And it's just like, oh my God, the, the game is so good. It's so good. <laughs> Cool. So it was your one of your previewed uh, video games for 2017, and it lived up to the hype. Yeah, a hundred percent. Great. That's awesome. I uh, love hearing stuff in, like that. In our games of the year, I cheated and put Horizon because I usually try and do a different game for every category. Okay. And yeah. I gave Horizon narrative and game of the year. Mm-hmm. If I had played Edith Finch before, Edith Finch would have taken narrative. Oh, okay. It's one of the best narrative storytelling games I've ever played, and that's a genre that I really like. 
Nice. And the style they did it in. Like, oh, Dave, I hope whenever you have a chance to get a PlayStation or you decide, I don't know if it's on, oh, it's not on Xbox 360. It's only on one. So whenever you get your next console, I will make sure to remind you of this one because you should be able to get it for super cheap. I got it for 14 bucks. It's like a three hour game. Okay. But by the time you get around to it, you might be able to pick it up for like eight and it's it's love worth it. every penny for that. You'll love the design. The lighting is gorgeous. It's fantastic. So that's what remains of Edith Finch. If y'all haven't played it and you have something you can play it on, do it. Cool. Good to know. All right. So that takes care of what we're playing. Only took yep. 30 minutes. That sounds about right. Um, yeah. Well, and cool. as is tradition, listening will take way less time. Well, because we can't play anything and it's just like, this song's awesome. This group's awesome. Cool. Yep. Kicking it off, I'm just going to say, we talked about it a couple weeks ago um, when Dolores O'Riordan died, and it was really sad. I've been listening to a bunch of Cranberries, because her voice is awesome, and uh, sadly, it took her dying to make me remember how much I love the Cranberries. Fair. And so I just, like, I only had To the Faithful Departed on CD, but, I mean, God bless Spotify, that can you you can basically play everything. And so I've been yeah. playing a bunch of Cranberries just to listen and just to kind of be like, yeah, I appreciated what you guys did as musicians, and I'm really digging your sound. So um, mostly in memory of her, I'm, I'm listening to a bunch of the Cranberries right now. Cool. I echo everything Dave said. That's also my first thing I'm listening to. Right? I, I kind of wondered if it would be, like... Just because I know yeah. we were both fairly large Cranberries fans, it just I was like, well, you kind of have to. And whenever whenever somebody passes who is fairly prevalent in the music industry, I tend to really listen to a lot of their stuff because it's just like, ha, huh, we're not getting any more of this. It's like melancholic, which is weird, but kind of, I don't know, there's a, a sense of closure that comes with it, I guess. Yeah, cathartic. Yeah, a little yeah. bit where it's just like, listen to all this, man, this is great. And it's never going away, but I'm still allowed to be sad that there won't be more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so do you need to add anything else to the Cranberries? If you're not super familiar with it, grab Stars. Yeah. Uh, it, it's actually, a, it's a very good collection of their best work, I guess, or their greatest hits. It's one of the greatest hits compilations, but it's one that actually adds a few songs as well. One of those greatest hits where it's like, right, also, right. here's some unreleased things that they also really like. Check it out. Yeah, cool. So if you're looking for Cranberries right. and a good overview of all of their hits, Stars is a great album to look at. Okay. There you go. Speaking of, excuse me, uh, things from the 90s, I've also re- not rediscovered my love because I've always loved it, but I've been on a on an I Mother Earth kick. And so for those of you from the States or elsewhere that isn't Canada who are unfamiliar with I Mother Earth, they're a rock band that came out of Canada in the 90s. Um, and their album Cedary and Fish, in my opinion, is one of the quintessential must-own Canadian albums of the '90s. Um, mm, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, beginning to end, I love this album, and like the radio singles that that are on it are great. But as is the case for a lot of albums, uh, I find that the the stuff that aren't the radio singles are even better. And so I put this on recently just because it's like I'm in the mood for this, and have listened to it about four or five times since, just because I'm like, yeah. I love this disc, and it's one of those ones I just haven't... You know, sometimes you just can listen to something and then put it away and then pick it up again and go, yep, it's still as good as it ever was. That's how I feel about this album. So, cool. Yeah, I'm Mother Earth. It's I is in, like, the single letter, Mother Earth, and the the album is Scenery and Fish, for those of you who were looking to, to, to listen to it. 
next up for me is my traditional first thing. So if Dave had mentioned I'm Mother Earth first or whatever, I would have said the Daily Song Drop. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Daily Song Drop every weekday. Plug, plug, plug. Any music. I listen to a lot of music for that. And then I re-listen to it to build playlists and stuff. So that's a lot of the music I listen to is wrapped around that. So, yeah. yeah check it out on fair. the website if you want. There you go. Uh, <laughs> back to me already? Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to jump over to a podcast real quick, and then I'm going to come back to, to music. So I've started listening to to You Must Remember This because I know that you you really like it, right? Yes. I like it. I really dig the information that comes out of it. I listen to the Marilyn podcasts, and um, they also – they're the ones who do the the um, the Charles Manson, like the, the Charles Manson era ones, right? Yep. She's got a, like an entire season on Manson. Yeah. So I really like the information that comes out of it, but I find sometimes I find her really frustrating. And the only reason is because if she's reading a quote, like she she would read a quote that Marilyn had said. And instead of just reading it, she puts on like a Marilyn voice. And I find that really frustrating. It's like, I don't need you to do an impression of Marilyn Monroe. I just want you to read the quote as the narrator because she's got a good voice for narration. And I just feel like she's actually taking away from the narration by trying to put on these voices of these people. I'm just like, I don't, you're not an impressionist. You're a, you're a biographer for a lack of a better term. So just read the quote and I will be happy. So I'm enjoying it, but I'm finding that marginally frustrating. Have you had any episodes where she has guest people come in to play the characters? I don't think so. That might be what you're being thrown off by because this is actually something she has other people come in and be a character that she's talking about. Like John Houston is played by such and such a person. So right. the reason she's doing that is because she didn't have a chance to get somebody because that's the way quotes and stuff are always done in the podcast. But usually it's other people, okay. but if she doesn't have other people or if she can essentially do it, she does it. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's that, that makes more sense. And like, I've only kind of picked and choose based on what I found the most interesting and, you know, I'm a pretty large Maryland fan, so those ones were cool. And, like, the whole Charles Charles Manson history and, like, the, the Sharon Tate story and everything, like, that's very fascinating. And so knowing how this all came about is really interesting. And so I, I've, I've listened to those, and I guess just the ones that I've heard happen to be the ones where she hasn't gotten any guests because I found that a little frustrating, but that makes sense. Yeah, it typically she has guests, so she'll have an, an actor or a voice actor or somebody, like a friend of hers, or somebody comes in and does like Pat Oswalt is in and he does one of the famous people that she's talking about and he will like reprise his role so if he I don't remember who did John Houston but whoever did John Houston always does John Houston so you might not mention John Houston for like 10 episodes but then on an episode where he's back it's the same guy oh okay so it's it's to give a consistency of voice to quotes and also to break up the sound a bit cuz it is gotcha. just her talking right which is fair yeah yeah I mean, and you so. think about hardcore history with what, I can't remember the guy who does hardcore history, but like when he was reading a quote, he would put on a different voice, but it was just like a more emphatic and he wouldn't change based on each character. So I get that when you're trying to read a quote or something, you want to break it up a little bit. So I understand yep. that it's just, I feel like the voices are unnecessary, but I, I get, I get the reasoning now that makes sense. Yeah, it's the void. Are they ever necessary? No, but I think it adds something to it. Sure. And it's just, I feel like because you came at it where it's just her, mm -hmm. it's a little weird. Whereas if you had started where I did at the very beginning, where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm used to this. Oh, there was nobody else who could do it. Or Karina just can. Okay, right. cool. And then we move on. 
Okay, that's fair. But no, uh, I yeah. get it. So anyway, I'm enjoying it. Like, it's been really fun listening to it, and I love the story. So I'm glad that I've started picking up pieces here and there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, if you did a podcast and you're going back to music, I can do the same thing, because I only had one podcast I wanted to talk to. Or, well, I could talk to them, but it's probably just sure. about it. And that's Slow Burn. Okay. It's by Slate, and it is about Watergate. Oh. It's super good. It's really informative. <laughs> it's going to, from the sound of it, probably only going to be about eight episodes. It uses archival footage. Uh, by footage, I obviously mean tape, so archival sure. tape, I suppose. Yeah. It also, like, he's got interviews with people who were involved in the investigations and who were in the offices and some of the FBI agents who worked caseload and all of this sort of stuff. But it's also telling you stories and filling in the news stories around Watergate that people of especially any generation since don't know as much. Okay. Like, you know, roughly the, here's the Woodward and Bernstein side and yeah, the, he resigns before he's impeached because it's found that he was obstructing justice, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, the basics of Watergate, mm-hmm. but this provides all of the color around it. Like who the senators were, who were doing the hearings before the investigation started and like how Nixon kidnapped a, a the wife of a guy who was working on it to sort of stop news of payments for the Watergate breaking in going through the white house and like there's all of this stuff kind of wrapped together so yeah it's it's really quite engaging cool so if you're looking for a good history podcast each episode runs about half an hour if you pay for slate plus you can get a second episode every week which is extended interviews and that sort of stuff with dick cavett and the people involved and that sort of thing but i don't have slate plus and i've relied completely on just the base podcast and i've been enjoying it thoroughly so if you're interested in history especially watergate and you want to start seeing some parallels with what's going on in the u.s right now check out slow burn all right very cool the last thing i'm listening to and this is something fairly new i found i discovered a new band that i'm kind of digging and i discovered them because of a movie that i will talk about later but the band is called shannon and the clams okay they're actually really really good and so according to the wikipedia um uh, two years ago when we did our year in review my favorite album was by um uh oh what the hell is his name i can't remember anyway the the album was called the last days of oakland and it was from a guy who was based out of oakland apparently these guys are too so they're an american oakland based indie garage punk quartet okay (laughs) Yeah, they're known for a vintage sound that incorporates elements of doo-wop, classic R&B, garage psych, and surf. So yeah, they're like, they've been compared to like Buddy Holly and 1960s girl groups, but they are said to love music from the 50s oldies to 80s punk. And so there's kind of an amalgamation there in there. The So I discovered them because they were being played on this, uh, on this movie. And I was like, oh, that's a cool sound. But every time one of their songs came on, I was like, damn, that sounds really good. So I kind of started investigating more. And and they're on Spotify, so I've listened to some on there. And their mo- I think their most recent single is called The Boy, and it's on an album from their album Onion, which I think comes out February of this year. So potentially, spoilers alert for a year from now, where this could be one of my favorite albums because I'm really digging their sound. And if the rest of this album is anything like 
their first single, I'm really gonna dig it. So yeah, they're they're really cool. They're kind of a doo-wop, like definitely have that fifties surf doo-wop Buddy Holly feel to them, and they're really, really cool, and I'm really digging them. So yeah, they're called Shannon and the Clams. I actually looked up to see if you would put them on um uh Daily Song Drop, because they've been around for a few years, but I was just right. like, well, maybe this is a group that Sean hasn't discovered, and they're not on there. So, anyway, certainly worth checking out, both you and uh, our listeners. Cool. Mm-hmm. I am rubbing off on you. I know! It's <laughs> like, weird. Good lord, I am so proud of you for tracking down some new band no one's ever heard of and listening to it, pitching it. Yeah! <laughs> I know, I know, I'm feeling pretty... <laughs> it's, it's a big day, Sean. It's a big day. Then as soon as we're done, you'll hop in your truck and you'll listen to Pearl Jam. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Anyway, the last thing I'm going to talk about is an EP from Danrell and Alec King called Morphine. Danrell and Alec King had the song that finished at my number four for the top 50 songs of 2017, and this is basically their EP coming out. So the song I talked about is on this EP, Bad Dreams, uh, a song that is just... uh, What day does this come out? Yes, a song that is now, I believe, out on the DSD. The title track, Morphine, is also featured. It's really cool. It's a blend of like DJ house and hip-hop, but it's got a real chill, mellow vibe to it. Big fan. Um, and so when they released their debut EP, I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to listen to it. It's nice. pretty great. So that's Morphine by Danrell and Alec King. Cool. Well, yeah, that was that was much faster than the first round. But, you know, it's lis- listening, so there's only so much we can talk about. Exactly. All right, then. So our second half will be brought to you by the Dumont Television Network. Are you tired of the stranglehold that the two other networks have on your television? Why not tune in to the innovative and dynamic Dumont Television Network, featuring such great programs as The Maury Amsterdam Show, Captain Video and his Video Rangers, which you can also read in comic book form, or the latest in programming innovations, Cash and Carry, a so-called game show where real people have a chance to win money by answering questions on cans, the hilarious husband and wife stunt feature, or play from home by phoning into your local station to guess what is under that barrel. All this and more on the Dumont Television Network. 1948. It's gonna be our year. And we're back. And because we do less reading than anything else, we're going to talk about reading now. Is it that we do less reading, or is it that we can accomplish reading fewer things? Because, like, a two-hour movie is so much easier to consume than a 1,400-page book. Exactly. So it's it's the latter. It's it's, we can crush a couple movies in the same time, in, in significantly less time than it takes to read one book. So it's just, it's it's harder to get through this. Um, yes. So I'm just going to kick it off. One of the things that I've been reading on top of like Sports Illustrated articles and stuff, because I'm still getting my Sports Illustrated uh, subscription, I'm just, just all these different people. And I mean, it's it's been happening for, since the, since the last time we did a, a What We're Up To, but all the different reports of all the different 
famous people and people of power who who have been accused of doing heinous things and sexual assault and it's just it's just mind-boggling and the the most recent one has been this Aziz Ansari thing and so I've been reading a lot of articles on that and I feel like I I mean I'm not going to get into this because I'm not I'm not a female I just like and I try to respect females as best as I can but it's just that one seems it's still bad and it's still inappropriate and he should have still gotten the the hint but like that is less to me less of a grave situation than like the Harvey Weinstein situation right like and I'm not saying sure. I'm not condoning what what Aziz Ansari did I'm just saying when you compare the two it's still bad but he still did not get the point and he still did not see what was happening and so yes he should have still stopped and so I I am 100% with the girl who wrote who or who interviewed about that situation but it's just like now that's happening and it's just it's amazing how there was like a linchpin that was pulled and all of a sudden there are just so many people who have come falling because they've just done awful inappropriate things and I'm not necessarily convinced that that's a bad thing like well no it's not it's just it's been going on for a long time yeah but it's just it seems like within the last six months there's finally been kind of a, a a trend that girls feel like they are in a safe place where they women are in a safe place where they can talk about this and so it's just like okay they are they learn from somebody who accuses bill cosby or harvey weinstein and go okay if they can tell their story i feel like i can tell mine now and i've like i've seen friends of mine who have posted things on on social media about their experiences and i've seen articles and it's just been mind-blowing and kind of as a man nauseating to know that there are this many men doing stuff like this I don't find it mind blowing because I'm not surprised. No, frankly, I agree. <laughs> I worked as a DJ for a while. Like the amount of Fair. times I had to step in to stop situations, it's just like, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's great that it's like we've said a few times. It's great that this is finally coming out and coming about, yeah. and things hopefully will be done about it. We'll see. Time That's, will tell. We're yeah. still in the middle of everything, but... Yeah, exactly. Hope so, so I just like... Because I think the Me Too movement was the time person of the year last year, wasn't it? I th- I believe it was, yes. Yeah, it wasn't a single person. It was the movement. And like, hopefully that was the, the catalyst that, that changes things. And who knows? Like you said, time will tell. We're still in the middle of it. But it's just... It's been interesting to read everything that's been happening and it's just like every day there's a new article and so i'm just like okay well what now and so just to try and be on top of it to try and be able to have a conversation about it i've been i've been just trying to keep up with all those articles that have dropped so that's that's the first thing i've been reading okay yeah Fair enough. <laughs> i mean i read a lot of news as well so yay the mammoth book of best new horror volume 24 one of my Christmas presents was this massive book collection of short horror stories. I'm, I'd say about three quarters of the way through it. Okay. And it's been pretty solid. Uh, it's a short story collection, so obviously it's it's a bit hit and miss, and I'd like different stories from other people and blah, 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 blah. But by and large, I have been enjoying them. I don't think it's as strong as some of the earlier volumes, because I have read several in this series. But it is still an excellent collection of short horror stories that range from 
ghost to demon to zombie to you name it. There's a little bit of something, but it's usually fairly British heavy because mammoth books are from Britain. So it's a lot of British authors. So it, you get a bit more of a Gothic sensibility. But okay. yeah, so that's that's the big, the main book that I have been reading for the last little while is the mammoth book of Best New Horror, number 24. Cool. The book that I've been reading, and I've, I've full disclosure, and Sean and I talked about this before we started recording, was I had the flu over Christmas, and I might have talked about that in the last, in one of the, the, the earlier podcasts. Yeah. Um, but it kind of kicked my ass, and so I didn't have a lot of time to read a lot of things, which is why I talked about those Newton's articles, because I haven't read a ton of stuff. Um, That's fair. But the book I am currently working on right now is called A Long Way Gone, Memoirs of a Boy Soldier by Ishmael Bea, I think. I'm not uh, sure. Are you Bea. familiar with this yeah. one? I've read it, yeah. Okay, yeah. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's... um. It's a the guy's about Sean's in my age. I think he's a year older than me or something like that. And when the the Civil War broke out in Sierra Leone in the '90s, he basically was recruited into becoming a soldier for the military and or the militia. I, I haven't got that far. Like he he hasn't been recruited yet. He hasn't become a soldier. Um, okay. But like he's talking about what's been happening and how there was a group of six or seven boys who were just walking to try and find some some food like literally they were just walking to try and find food and to try and find somewhere safe and people would basically get off the pathway and and hide from them because they thought that they were soldiers because they're recruiting yep. these soldier these boys of you know 12 years old to 16 years old to go and and do this heinous work and the, the the details that he talks about in seeing these dead bodies and everything is it's nauseating but the it's very very interesting I don't want to say that I'm enjoying it because it's not a book that you enjoy but I'm I'm fascinated by it and I'm I find it compelling yeah that's fair and so I'm finding yeah I'm finding the process of reading this very compelling and the the yeah the the story is crazy so if you get a chance to read it I would definitely recommend it it's not a hard read like the the writing is pretty simple. Um, it's not overly and it's complicated. it's not super long. No, and it's not super long. So I, I expect that by the time we finish, or by the time we do our next one at the beginning of April? Yeah. Yeah. I will have finished it and have moved on to at least one, if not two other books. So yeah, Memoirs of a Boy Soldier, or sorry, A Long Way Gone, Memoirs of a Boy Soldier, and it's written by Ishmael Bea. Cool. Yeah, no, it's it's an excellent book. It's an excellent read as well. Like you said, it's it's hard, but I think you can enjoy it because you can appreciate it, mm-hmm. right? You can appreciate the story. Yeah. Um, now that said, I have to say, as is tradition, I have way more fun reading than you ever seem to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm re- I'm reading the stories of a bori soldier. Up next for me is Shokugeki no Soma, Iron Chef, the comic book. <laughs> like, seriously, dude, <That's... laughs> read something fun yeah. every once in a while. Well, I mean, a couple a couple months ago, or like not the last one, but the one before, I had read a bunch of Harry Potters, and so like I am reading yeah. some fun stuff. It's just this is kind of up in my queue, and my aunt lent it to me like a year ago, and I was like, I should really read this. So Ooh, I can you get back to gotta my get, aunt. Yeah, I gotta get that done. Yeah, so I've got a few in the in the in the queue that will be a little bit more fun, I think. So yeah, but 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 you're not wrong. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I've I very recently talked about Shokugeki no Soma because it was my book of the year when we did our year in right, review. Yeah. I'm still obviously reading it. I'm still, oof, I don't even know how many volumes behind I am. 
but a lot is the answer. Uh, but yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's manga. I'm 17 books in at this point. Uh, he just finished doing some practicums in kitchens, and now he's back at school again for autumn. Yeah, it's just, it's cooking. It's fun. <laughs> it's funny. It's weird. I get recipes out of it. I also, it's a good time. So yeah, that's Shokugeki no Soma. I do plan on watching the anime at some point, so maybe this year I will even be talking about it in the watching segment. So, cool. yeah, that's it. Hey, nice segue. Thanks. Because we can't read as much, we generally, as has been the case the last couple go-rounds, we generally do two wa- or two reading and then a bunch of watching, so that's what we're doing this time. Um, the first thing, and this happened over the Christmas holidays, and it happens every Christmas holidays, is the World Junior Hockey Championship. Yeah. It is arguably my favorite hockey tournament because it happens every year and it's really fun to see the up-and-comers um like the stanley cup playoffs are fun but there's something about the world juniors because of the time period that it's in like it's the first game is always on boxing day and so you get it over the christmas holidays and it's it's a, a national international event and so it's it's like you're cheering for your country not a not a specific team from a specific right. city so and from a Canadian standpoint, it's just always really fun to watch the Canadians do well. Yeah, it is. And this year it was in Buffalo, so from a time standpoint, it worked out really well because we weren't watch. You didn't have to get up at two in the morning to watch Canada play because it was two hours down the road. So that was right. really nice as well. Sadly, the attendance was not great in Buffalo. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it's I, what it is. It is. Next year, it's in Vancouver and Victoria, so I think that will be better because it's on the West Coast, and so, like, it hasn't been on the West, in Western Canada since 2012 when it was in, in Calgary and Edmonton. Um, yeah. And so I think that will help because it'll be a different group of people. Although, I'm finding it kind of annoying that they're splitting it from, like, in different cities instead of just doing... I mean, Vancouver, Victoria kind of makes sense, but, like, why not... Uh, a couple years ago it was in Toronto and Montreal like why not just have it in Toronto or Montreal I don't understand this whole splitting of cities I I get it why they did it in 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 Alberta because Edmonton and Calgary are two very big hockey markets but like Toronto could have sustained it yeah well yeah but I mean from a I guess from Toronto Toronto and Montreal are so big that I think they could have sustained it on their own I don't understand why you split it but there's only one 20,000 seat modern stadium in each. There's only one arena where you can sell out 20,000 tickets each game. Right. And both. That does and make this sense. is yeah. where the IIHF makes money is when they host the tournament in North America and apparently not Buffalo. So if yeah. you put it in Canada, you make butt tons of money, so why not put it in the biggest arenas you can? That makes sense. Yeah, okay. I can I, dig that. Well, I that's think, the only I reason my... I imagine they did the outdoor game at buffalo yeah. right was because they needed to try and make money and they tried to and they put had a great crowd outdoors. but what a fucking brutal game that was that was awful i didn't yeah. even watch it that's the first canadian junior game that wasn't on like th- at three in the morning like if we're playing no offense to kazakhstan because i think they're back up again but if we play kazakhstan at four in the morning in a round robin game i'm not getting up for it <laughs> i just i'm I- i'm not no I'll watch the replay when it's on at 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, sure. But, like, I couldn't even watch the outdoor game. It was garbage. No, it was... The weather was terrible. And and you and I talked about this 
a couple weeks ago after before we were recording like on new year's day there's always an outdoor game in the nhl and buffalo was playing the new york rangers yep but they did it at city field in new york but it was still technically a home game for the sabers because madison square garden has a deal that any home game for the new york rangers has to be played at msg and so it was a home game for the sabers but it wasn't played in the Bills Stadium, where the World Junior game was playing, that was that would have made far too much sense. And so there were two technically two buff- games for Buffalo that were outdoor, but they were played in different locations in different cities. And it was just terrible planning, and it just didn't make sense. And I just the whole idea of the outdoor game was infuriating. And I hope they never do it again. Yeah, me too. Because that was like you couldn't you couldn't even follow the puck. No. I was following a snowflake more than once in the five minutes I watched before I got nauseous <laughs> from the camera work. As somebody yeah. who doesn't get motion sickness, that's saying something. So before I got nauseous, I couldn't follow the puck because I kept following a snowflake. I'm like, why aren't they? Oh, for fuck's sakes. Okay, great. <laughs> Plays over there, apparently. Oh, the puck got stuck in that drift in the corner, so I guess they're just going to dig at it for the next two minutes. Yeah. What a stupid yeah, it was idea! Just, that it was. was it was really frustrating. So I mean, the end result was great. Canada beat Sweden in like I was heartbroken for the Swedes. Um, oh, they played so well. They really did. I think, in all honesty, I think they were probably the more deserving team. They had a better full sixty minutes, but we had a hot goalie as the Canadians for the first time in years, and yep, that that was the difference. So I mean. Sweden almost ran into that in 2012. The last time they won the gold medal was in Calgary. I remember because I was at that game. And they beat Russia one nothing in overtime. And they, I think they put about 45 shots on the Russian goalie. And Russia literally got less than 10 shots the entire game. Yeah. But that, that goalie that held them in. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you just run into a good goalie. And, you know, Sweden, God bless them. They, and I mean... They'll be back. They're they're a good team and they're fun to play. And I have like if we would have lost, it's a lot easier to lose to Sweden than it is to U.S. or Russia, just because we don't have that rivalry. Sure, yet, yet. But I'm always happy when Canada wins. But it's like regardless of what game I'm watching, whether it's you know football playoffs or hockey playoffs or something. Like when the Pats beat Jacksonville last week, it was great. I was really happy about that. But watching, like, Leonard Fournette and Blake Bortles, like, there's one point where you could see it looked like a tear running down his cheek. I was just like, man, I feel really bad for you. They played a good game, and it sucks. And so, like, even though my team wins, I still really, really empathize with the losing team. No, that's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's that's what I've, I've been watching, I've, World Junior Hockey. Cool. I was going to say, I feel like we've reached the limit of the amount of hockey we can talk about on this podcast. Yeah. Considering... Yeah everything so i am going to talk about erased okay a netflix series original series i believe a japanese series based on a manga which also has an anime which i have not seen Mm -hmm. yet but perhaps could and this series is awesome yeah dave i want you to do me a favor i want you to try my rule and i want you to watch the first three okay they're half an hour each, so it's not a it's okay. not a massive time commitment. It's called Erased. Erased. Oh, there goes my pen lid. Okay. Is it on Netflix, you said? Yeah, it's a Netflix original. Okay, cool. Okay. It is the story of a guy in his late 20s who is trying to be a mangaka. So uh, like he's trying to be a manga writer and artist, basically. Okay. 
so he's trying to start his own series. But he's struggling with that, so he also works part-time as a police... Not a police. <laughs> God damn it. Pizza man. Okay. Not a police man. <laughs> Completely different story, that is. Mm-hmm. But he has this strange power where he will randomly travel back in time in order to prevent something bad from happening. Okay. He comes home one day and finds his mother's been murdered, and he becomes the prime suspect. Then all of a sudden, he's back in time, and he's 12 again. (laughs) Oh, okay. Dude, I I don't want to say anything else other than that. It's a time-traveling mystery. Cool. And I... I am not completely finished it yet. I've been, I know it's a Netflix original and they're meant to be binged, but I have been nursing this one because I've been enjoying it so much. Nice. Okay. But if you invest in the characters a little bit and just kind of go along with the fact that there's some silly time travel stuff in it, because there's silly time travel stuff in it. Mm -hmm. This is one of those character stories, like episode nine, I don't think I stopped crying. Oh, good. At all. Hmm. Like, sad, Um, but happy crying at the same time, but also sad. And then you start having to balance the timelines, because timelines start shifting around and stuff, and it's so good. Cool. I have already added it to my watch list on Netflix, so I will give it a shot. Because this is literally one of those stories where I'm like, Dave, I know you're not a big anime fan, but you just haven't seen the right stuff. This is an anime story. Like cool. This is a manga that has been adapted to an anime, which is also now a live-action series. The live-action series is closer to the books. So this is kind of like, this is a little window. If this is something that you do find you enjoy, we can start finding other little pieces that That's you right. might like. Okay. Well, I will I will 100% give it a shot. So that is Erased on Netflix. Cool. Check it out. Nice. Uh, next up for me is Big Little Lies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember when it came out... On HBO, when they were when they were running ads for it, I kind of thought, oh, that looks interesting. Like I like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. I like I like those actresses and and you know I didn't I didn't I kind of forgot that it was on. I didn't think anything of it. But as as we know and from previous podcasts, I really we both really dig HBO. But I I'm trying to watch as much HBO as I can because I dig their stuff and I want to have as much of their catalog have wa- I want to have watched as much of their catalog as I can. Um, sure. And so over at Christmas, while I was sick, Shannon and I were looking for something to watch. And we tried a couple different things on Crave. Um, some that I really dug and some that she didn't. Like, um, there's one called I'm Dying Up Here, and it's all about stand-up comedy in the 70s. And we watched the f- <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we watched the first episode of that, and I really dug it, but Shannon didn't care for it. Then we watched something else, and she really dug it, but I didn't care for it. But then we landed on Big Little Lies, and we crushed it. I think we watched the entire, It's I think it's eight or 10 or 12 like it's not a it's a it, the first season was at, at most 12 episodes but it might have been even less than that and we sure. plowed through that in no time okay yeah it's it's really good so it's basically like it takes place in california and i can't remember where offhand but everybody's really tight and clicky and um you know it's, everybody lives these perfect lives and then you start to see these personal lives and you see what happens like the abusive couple and the one you know the the one where the the wife cheated on her husband and and this couple where you know they've got rage issues and like it's just everything is you know it's not as perfect as it seems on the surface um right. it is it is a tremendous tv show okay uh 
Yeah, Nicole Kidman won the Golden Globe for it, and so did uh, for Best Actress in a in a dramatic series, I think. And uh, Alexander Skarsgård also won for that, and like they were they were deservedly so. They were both tremendous performances. So, um, yeah, I crushed it. I know that there's a second season coming out this year, I believe, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. I will. Is it available on Crave or on demand? Or it's how on did Crave. you guys watch it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's HBO, right? So it's part of the HBO section on Crave. So you can just watch it on there. Perfect. And mm-hmm. so then for our American listeners, HBO Go. There you go. Sure. If you have not seen it yet, I will have to check it out at some point. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I'm was i in the yeah. same boat as you. I was like, oh, that looks good. I like most of the people in it. And then I never thought about it again until award season. I'm like, oh, wow. Maybe yeah. I should exactly. watch this. Exactly. And we just <laughs> happened to land on that and went, okay, let's watch that. We watched the first episode and went, yeah, we know what we're doing for the next four hours. <laughs> Perfect. Those yeah. are the best. Right? I love when exactly. you're looking for a series and it's just all of a sudden one of them clicks and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> How many episodes of this are there? 40? Oh, no. <laughs> what have we done to ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, I've got another one like that on my list, but I just keep pushing it because it's a longer it's a longer series, and so I can get to it at, at some point. So at some point I'll talk about another one like that. But yeah, right now, Big Little Eyes, that's my one. All right, we're going to wander into movies now because it's me okay. and it's Dave and it's movie time. Yeah. So the first one that I'm going to talk about is actually, hey, Dave, I have a question yeah. for you. Okay. Did you like The Revenant? Yeah, I didn't mind it. Take The Revenant, would you have preferred if The Reginant, Re- Revenant starred Richard Harris and John Huston? Yes. I mean... Well, then you're going to want to see Man in the Wilderness, the movie that is about literally the same story, where they've actually just taken shots out of this movie and put them in The Revenant, and we're all supposed to be surprised. But yeah, hey, guess what? There was a movie that was exactly the same story. It was made in 1971. Cool. <sighs> yeah, I, uh, I obviously did not know that before going in and I was like huh this sounds a lot like The Revenant and then Ben Mankiewicz because obviously this was on TCM that I watched it Ben Mankiewicz is like so The Revenant uh 1971 Man in the Wilderness pretty much the same story like uh, uh, oh so yeah it's about a, a trapper who gets left for dead after a bear attack which in this movie is delightful because it's a mix of real bear and man in bear suit as Amazing. all of the best bear attacks are. Sure. And then he exacts revenge on his companions who abandon him. It's huh. so it's it it's exactly the same. It's like an hour shorter. Great. And it's Richard Harris as I think they did change the name from he was Hugh Glass. I think it's now Zachary Bass. Okay. But uh yeah, it's literally the Revenant, but made in nineteen seventy one with Richard Harris. So nice. it's Man in the Wilderness. If you like the Revenant or if you like that story but you wished it was like an hour shorter, uh, but not shot as well. Let's be honest, because sure. Chivo's cinematography in The Revenant was gorgeous. Yeah. Also, he definitely does eat that bison liver. So, booyah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's Man in the Wilderness, 1971. And you'll let me know when that's on TCM, right? I haven't been doing that as much because I figure you need to catch up on stuff. But oh, I can start up again PBR if you're running down. Full right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm giving you some time, and then when you're like, okay, I'm ready, I will start sending you movies again. Cool, I appreciate that. I know I need to purge a bunch because we're going to have 30 days of Oscar real soon. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that's coming, so, and that's a great time for anybody. 
yeah. So I'm gonna have to to crush a bunch of movies in the next couple weeks here. So I I've accepted that. Huh. Anyway, speaking of movies, <laughs> speaking of Oscar movies, this one is not. Uh-huh. I watched a movie called Miracle on Christmas Lake. Sean, let me tell you, this movie was terrible. <laughs> now. I mean, it sounds so good based on the title alone, Dave. I'm frankly surprised. <laughs> I PVR'd it because it was filmed in Canmore and Calgary, and Shannon actually worked on it. She was a dresser. And so, like, we watched it together, and as we watched the final credits, her name was rolling up. It was really cool to see. Sure. So it was neat to be able to watch a movie that she had worked on, but also the reason I wanted to watch it was because I knew all most of the people who were the principal actors in this movie. Like, I've seen... Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I've seen things like um, Hell on Wheels and stuff like that, where you see actors who are... Like, I, I am familiar with actors, and it's like, they have one line in one scene. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That was David Lorraine as the telegraph operator. But David Lorraine played the dad of one of the kids and was in this movie for... Like, he was a very major role in this movie. And so it was cool. written by a Canadian and like start a bunch of people from the Calgary area. So that part was really cool to see my friends do a movie that was a lot of my friends, but also because it was filmed in Canmore and having grown up spending a lot of time in that town because my my grandma lived there and my mom was born in Canmore, I also got mm-hmm. to see a lot of landmarks. It was like, oh, when they're going into the quote-unquote town hall, the church across the way is the Catholic church that my grandpa helped build. So... It was really cool to see landmarks that I was familiar with, too. Sure. The movie itself was terrible. It was really bad. (laughs) I noticed, considering you've decided to spend your time talking about it, talking about how it was cool that you knew the people in it and the landmarks and stuff. Usually not a great sign when you're talking about a movie. Yeah, no. The the, the best part was Will Sasso, who played a Santa in a mall. So literally, Will Sasso was in, like, two scenes. I was like, I don't know how they got him for that, but cool. Good on them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not great, but from a from a local standpoint it was cool, but whew, it was it was bad. But I felt I needed to talk about it. So, Miracle on Christmas Lake. Probably one you could skip. You're not even gonna tell me what it was about? Was it the, oh, So it was a miracle right. on a lake? Like it was the lake not cold and then it got cold? Dave, no. I need closure. Basically, it's about this kid who hates the town that he's living in, and he hates Christmas um, for reasons. But he and his mom live on this lake, and he keeps shoveling across the lake, so that way he can just skate across the lake and run away forever. But he gets to the other side of the lake, and all of a sudden this hockey rink appears on the lake. And so then he gets to play on the hockey rink, but he gets to play against his friend who died in a car accident like a year earlier. It's weird and a crazy hodgepodge story and then there's a big town hall meeting when they're trying to save the community that is surrounding the lake instead of putting a development up there like it's just it's a basically it's a it's a hallmark made for tv christmas movie that's really bad but you know was fun to watch for all my friends and all the landmarks okay yeah my favorite part and i'm just gonna say this so it's supposed to take place in the 90s so at one point, the kid and his friend is, like, female friend. I think they ended up dating at some point. But um, they're going to go to a junior hockey game. And so they go to the junior hockey game, and they're walking into... you. Uh, you're familiar with the Max Bell Arena, right, in Calgary? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you could like for those of you who are from for those who are from Calgary, it's a very recognizable rink from the outside. And so you could tell, like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, that's the Max Bell Arena. And so they're walking into the Max Bell and like they're filming in these little seats in the Max Bell, but then then they're at the teddy bear toss game and i i don't know if it i think some places in the states do it but basically the idea is that it's a hockey game and when the the home team scores it's it happens just before christmas and when the home team scores their first goal everybody comes with a teddy bear and they wrap it in a bag and these teddy bears come raining down from all the seats and they give these teddy bears to like impoverished families who need like presents for christmas it's a really cool event but I like so they filmed this footage from the Saddle Dome at the Hitman game. But then you go back to this little dinky arena. I'm like, okay, you're in the Max Bell Center, and it's a really tiny arena. But now we see these like now we see the footage from a 2015 teddy bear toss. So the timeline is different, but also we are clearly in a much different rink right now. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but kind of fun, and just clearly what they could do on their budget. Yeah, fair. Sometimes that's all it is, right? Right exactly so anyway it was fun it was it was a f- fun movie to watch in a weird sense but the movie itself was very bad cool yeah uh, up next for me is godzilla monster planet okay dave netflix is making anime godzilla movies really yes the first one came out the beginning of this month nope it's february now uh, beginning of january okay middle of january like weeks ago yeah it just they dropped the first one they're making a trilogy of them so it's a Godzilla movie. It's anime. It's subtitled as it should be. And essentially sure. what this Godzilla story is, uh, Godzilla shows up, starts wrecking Earth. Aliens show up, say, don't worry, we can stop Godzilla. They fail. So then the remains of humanity leave with the aliens and go to space, leaving <sighs> Earth for Godzilla. Really? This story is about mankind trying to come back to Earth because the, like, the fleet is running out of resources. And what they find is a planet which is now ruled by Godzilla. Sure. So it's Godzilla's it planet. Now, because of time travel, and it actually kind of makes some sense in the terms of science, some, which mm-hmm. when it comes to time travel and like space travel movies, any amount of sense is appreciated. Sure. They were traveling at faster than light, so on the fleet, roughly 22 years has passed. On the surface of Earth, roughly 10,000. Oh. Yeah. So you're going back to an Earth that does not look at all different, and it is one that has been left to Godzilla and other, like, the animals for 10,000 years. So evolution is different. Trees are different. Everything has changed. So the first movie, which just came out, is about that re-going, like going back to Earth and reestablishing contact and that sort of thing. Okay. That That's sounds it. awesome. So it's Godzilla Monster Planet on Netflix. It is a Netflix original anime. And on Netflix, it's just listed as Godzilla. Because Godzilla okay. Monster Planet is the first of three movies. So it's kind of like a Godzilla trilogy that they're making. Cool. Yeah. Nice. It was great. I had a very good time. It's a battle anime, so it's a lot of... The script is kind of silly and fluffy. Like, they say really stupid things. Like, most action movies where it's just like, we have to try our hardest. Yeah. And then there's no talking for ten minutes. It's just stuff blowing up. Right. So, it's one of those. But if that's what you're in for, and you love Godzilla, 
Godzilla Monster Planet, Netflix. Nice. I'll keep. An, I'll. I'll maybe add that to my list too. My next couple are ones that you, we've already talked about uh, oh, okay. in different contexts, but I've finally got around to seeing them, so I'm going to talk about them anyway because now I can talk about them with you. Uh, my number four that I've seen was Split. Hey, Split. Oh man, it's pretty damn I, good, isn't it? I really dug Split. It was a really, really good movie. Yeah, McAvoy is so good. He's good in everything, but that's, in that's, Split, where he's playing Kevin and the Twenty Four. Yeah. Man. And I guess that was my only spoilers alert for just a brief second. I said to Shannon, my only disappointment was that you didn't actually see all 23 characters. Like, you under, like you knew who they were and everything, but you didn't see... I would like, It would have been interesting to see more of the characters, and I'm not... Sure. I don't feel like I'm ruining anything for anybody because you find out soon, early enough anyway, but, like, if that's my biggest beef with a movie that was pretty awesome i'm not too upset about that yeah well you're you're basically saying what i said about hidden figures you wish it was slightly longer totally exactly when that is your complaint about a movie that says something about the film yeah yeah because if it was longer then you could have seen more characters and that would have been even cooler and i'm sure i'm certain that they probably had like they probably filmed a bunch of his different characters and then just the way that they edited it it just didn't work out that way. It didn't work out that you got to see them all. But that didn't matter because the movie and just watching him at different points go from one character to the next and seeing like just the change in his face and it's subtle, but you can see it. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. I really enjoyed it. I'm actually a little sad that it released so early in 2017 that I like it's not getting any acting recognition mm-hmm. at all. Because yeah. I know the Academy's not crazy about genre films, but they did branch out this year a bit, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Get Out and The Shape of Water have nominations. Right. So I would have hoped that it would have at least gotten some consideration, but at the same time, it's like a, a little mid-budget, almost indie M. Night Shyamalan film. Yeah. So. It's not going to get a lot of love, but man, it was it was really fun. Um, and I mean, yeah. we had talked about that a year ago. And I was pretty pumped for it. And so when you had talked about having, like, you, it was in your top 10 of 2017, right? Uh, it was an honorable mention, I believe. Honorable yeah. mention, yeah. So that's yeah. one where, like, if we do the mid-season, mid, mid-year 2017, year, uh, movies from 2017, there's a good chance now that that will be on the list. And because if, I, by I, if, you mean when. Oh, yeah. Have we been asked for it already? Yeah. So, Thank yeah. you, listeners. Yeah. Great. <laughs> So there's so, yeah, a chance that's, that that will be on there because I loved it. So that's awesome. No, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you saw that because I thought you would dig that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, cool. definitely. Yeah. So that was Split. That was Split. My next film is The Girl with All the Gifts. Okay. Dave, do you know anything about this film? I have no clue. I I don't even think I've heard of it. Okay. It's directed by Cole McCarthy who directed a gigantic chunk of the first season of Peaky Blinders. Okay. Uh, he also does some of the Black Mirror stuff. Kind of a, a, a very good genre director. Okay. What the Girl with All the Gifts is about, it's a, it's a scientist and a teacher living in a dystopian future, embarking on a journey of survival with a special young girl named Melanie. Okay. Dystopian future? Yeah. Cordyceps zombies. What are cordyceps zombies? 
Do you know there is a fungus in... Oh, it's yeah. That, I, I I think I know exactly what you're talking about already. Yeah. So, so cordyceps are. It's a fungus in Amazon. I think it's the Amazon. It might be the sub-Saharan. I'm not sure, but it's a fungus that can take over an ant's brain yeah. and guides them to go as high as possible, and then the fungus will burst out into seeds and spread the seeds to spread the fungus. Right. Okay. So the premise is this is the same as The Last of Us, the video game, the my number two video game of all time. Sure, that's yeah. The, the, that's the zombie premise from that. Okay. So this film takes place in a universe where that has happened. So that's the dystopian future. Okay. And the, the special young girl named Melanie, what's special about it is she's a zombie, but not. Okay. And I don't want to say anything other than that. She's like a weird hybrid of, like, a new species, essentially. Okay. Interesting. Cool. It's another great zombie movie that I've seen recently. Now, is the story a little derivative of The Last of Us? Definitely. It's based on a book that came out after The Last of Us did. But that's okay. I don't mind people being inspired by something and telling their own story within an established thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's 100% what this is. So nice. it is a very cool zombie movie, which is also available on Netflix. Nice. Go Netflix. They're just killing it. Yeah, they really are. Cool. So that is um, The Girl with All the Gifts. Nice. Okay. There's just like, there's the girl on the train and the girl with the dragon tattoo. There's a lot of things with the girl. So. Yes. I just wasn't sure if it was part of that. Anyway. Okay, cool. The next thing on my list is actually Get Out. I also watched that. Um, Shannon was here this weekend, and she and I both tend to love watching horror movies together, so we just crushed a bunch of horror movies. Right. Um, and Get Out was one of them. And man, I understand the hype. I At this point, a couple weeks before the Oscars even happen, I have seen two movies that are nominated for Best Picture now. Whoa! Yeah. Feeling good. Uh, I saw that the other day, and I was just like, awesome. I've seen Get Out now, so I've seen I've seen two Best Picture movies. Uh, Get Out was awesome. It was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it it was an incredible look at at like black white relations and just that that like waspy type world and whoo it it was hard to watch at points. Yeah, it was. That's the point. Exactly. Yeah, and so when we were watching it, because this was on on demand, and so we were going through, and that's where we saw Split as well. And so I, I had said to Shannon, like, we could watch these two. I'm like, oh, Keanu's on there too. I haven't seen Keanu yet. And she's like, what's Keanu? And so I was like, do you know Key and Peele? And I said something about like the the black guys who are in, who do the sketch comedy. Um, she's like, oh no, I'm not familiar with them. I was like, okay, no big deal. So we didn't watch Keanu, but as we were watching it, she's like, I wonder what the color of the guy who wrote this is. Is like, oh, he's black. I was like, he's, yep. and I was like, remember how I was asking about Key and Peele? That's, that's one of the guys. She's like, oh, it makes sense now. It was, I, I hope he keeps writing horror because this one was awesome. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. I yeah. hope so. He also directed too. I know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe he just, maybe he doesn't write and maybe he just directs, but he's got a, he's got an eye for it for sure. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, does. I mean, you talked about it recently and I, I don't have much more to add. I'm just glad to have seen it now. So yeah, get out cool mm-hmm. look at you getting all catching up to all of the stuff that you hadn't seen on my top 10 i know right i'm working on it 
and stuff that will eventually make my top 10. Like, I don't know where it will land. I don't think I like Get Out as much as I like Dunkirk, but it will certainly bump things off my top 10 for sure. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. All right. A completely different film next for me. I watched a super low-budget weird movie called The Super Cops. (laughs) Okay. It is from 1974. It is an action comedy crime drama? Okay. Written by the same man who wrote the Batman series. By which I mean the Adam West Batman series. Oh yeah. It is the true story of Greenberg and Hans. They were two cops who became collectively known as Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. uh, Because they fought against the corrupt system, essentially. It's like a Serpico kind of idea. But they did it by being incredibly aggressive and good at taking drug dealers off the streets. Cool. They made more drug arrests in the 70s than probably anybody else in New York, and it wasn't close. And so it's a story of them like coming up together through the academy. You get to see a little bit of the academy, but mostly it's just them like busting crime rings. And they were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's awesome. That sounds really fun. Like, they do it without backup. It would just be the two of them, and they'd smash through, like, into a drug dealer's house with 15 dudes all armed, and they would take them all down. Like, they were just, they were crazy. And they got this, they got so big that people started taking out hit contracts against them. Really? So then they figured that out and then started taking the assassins down as well. Amazing. They were just... it was such a cool story. It was a really fun kind of grindhousey action movie from the 70s that I just took a flying chance on on TCM. I was like, that sounds like it could be kind of cool. And I yeah. had a great time. That's awesome. Um, you know what's actually really cool is, I don't know if you've noticed this on, on the Telus PVR, but if you can actually go backwards now on like, so if, if you watch a movie and I've missed it and you're like, Dave, you need to check this out and I'm home. I can actually scroll back to TCM past what's playing currently and I could rewatch that movie. Yep. So. It's pretty great. Yeah. So I'm not saying like, obviously it's too late now, but you know. Oh yeah. And I PVR'd that probably before Christmas. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. What was it called? So. Uh, the Super Cops. The Super Cops. That makes perfect sense. That sounds awesome. I will definitely yeah. keep an eye out for that one. It was a great time. Cool. It's so weird, but so good. Nice. All right. The last movie on my list is the first one I've seen from 2018. And, and the thousandth movie that I have seen. Or TV series. Hey. But the, yeah. Technically, it was 999. But then, as I said to Sean, I realized there was a couple movies that Eric Bana was in that I hadn't rated yet, so all of a sudden that put me over a thousand. I was like, well, fuck. That was less eventful. But I have seen over a thousand movies now, um, and the movie that I... The first one I saw from 2018 is The Open House on Netflix. Um, A a new horror movie. Basically, the concept is um, a, a kid, a high school kid and his mom go up to this mountain house because they lost his dad her her husband uh right. and so in order to they can't afford the rent at the house right now and so her sister says well go stay at our mountain place 
you know, we're, we're just having, um, you know, we're trying to sell it. So it, you just have to leave on Sundays when they have open houses. And the idea is, so they go up there and when they leave, somebody just never leaves. And so he's hiding in the basement, like fucking with these people and kind of making them like, you know, kind of pitting them against each other. And you just don't know what's going on. And then there's kind of an extra character that comes in. It's like, is that like, it's, there's a lot of unknowns happening and it's very suspenseful. And just the idea of like, it's not, as I, I said to Sean, when I, when I was texting him about this, I, dialogue is meh. It's not the best dialogue, but from a suspense standpoint, I did find myself like gripping my pillow a little bit because there were some moments that I was like, Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh God. Oh God. And so that was fun. But the, 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 psychological aspect of having somebody in your house and not being able to find them and just like even thinking about my my house right now and knowing that only Shannon and I have keys and there's nobody else in here but knowing that like what if I'm sleeping upstairs and somebody's in my basement I just didn't go to the basement that day and I don't know he's there like it's just a really eerie creepy concept to think about and so while it's not the best movie I've seen I I enjoyed it well enough okay I think I rated it a six or a seven. Like, you know, it's not like I, I didn't pan it, but it's not, you know, it will likely not be my favorite movie of the year, but I was happy to have seen it because it's another horror movie, right? So. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Just, you know, go in with knowing that there's some moments I'm just like, ah, that's pretty bad dialogue. But at the same time, it's, that's not what I'm there for. I'm there for the suspense and like the, like I said, the psychological aspects. So. Yeah, The Open House, and it is on Netflix. Cool. Mm-hmm. Am I wrapping up our watching section? You are. Oh, man. I don't know if I would have left this to last, but I'm going to own it. <laughs> My last movie I'm going to talk about is from 1961, and it's called The Snake Woman. Okay. It is a strange little British movie. Horror, obviously, with a title like The Snake Woman. And it is about... It's in like 1890 through 1910 ish, or yeah, roughly that time period. Mm-hmm. A scientist, in order to cure his wife's, uh, for lack of a better term, insanity, injects her with cobra venom. She later gives birth to a daughter who is cold blooded and has weird eyes, which the locals call the devil's baby. <laughs> okay. So she is at the same time kind of a cobra and also a beautiful woman in 1910 and so it the the movie is it's like an hour and 10 minutes long it is incredibly hammy it's ridiculous completely ridiculous but it's a well-constructed story as long as you just accept the premise and continue with it sure it's ridiculously silly but it's really engaging like, I, this wasn't one of those B-movies from the 50s and 60s where it's like, oh, okay, I get this scene, and I pick up my phone, and I go through the dark half on Instagram for a bit, sure. and I look back, and I haven't missed anything. This was one where I actually stuck with it the whole time because even if it was just a ridiculously over-the-top performance or a s- stupid line or, like, the the villagers gathering to have their torches together again and they're all standing in a circle with their torches and then the bartender's like all right lads we have our torches ready and they're all like look around really jovial like yeah yeah we got our (laughs) torches are good we're good and then they like march off of the screen and that was an entire scene like why did that what 
But yeah, it's like if you want a cheesy B horror movie, but one that actually holds itself together the entire time. And while it does get ridiculous and it's silly and it's there's some scenery chewing. Sure. It's enjoyable. And that's sometimes all I'm looking for. So the last movie we're talking about on what we're up to this week is the snake woman. Awesome. Sometimes that happens, man. The amount of times we've ended with like, didn't we? Oh no. I ended my, my year in review with talking about seven brides for seven brothers. So like sometimes you just end (laughs) on the most cheesy movies. So it happens. Yeah. I just, I knew I wanted to talk about it because it's so rare that a B movie is that engaging. Yeah. Like it doesn't just fall apart at some point or there's not a 20 minute scene where they're in a lab just talking and still to dialogue or something like it yeah. actually kept itself together. So cool. Nice. Yeah. Oh, these ones are always long. It's just we've accepted that. Yeah. But both sections came in under an hour respectively. So I'm happy with that. Anyway, I guess that's it. You. Mr. and Miss Internet of the Lifeblood of Our Podcast. And we just want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys from Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com, Facebook us at The Guys From, or come find us and ask us a question in person. And not in some like creepy stalker way, but if you happen to come across us on the street or something, just be like, hey, Dave. Can you talk about your favorite win- favorite Winter Olympic sport that isn't hockey? And I'd be like, hey, sure, thanks for asking. And then I'll mention it to Sean, and we'll probably do that. So yeah, just like an in-person thing would be kind of cool, but just don't don't stalk me and come to my house. That'd be weird. <laughs> what if somebody has a question for you, and they just go to your basement? Oh, God. And then they just they just wait for you to walk down to your basement. And then that one time, they've, just been, they've been there for days, and then you finally go into your basement, and they're like, hey, Dave favorite olympic sport and then they just walk out <laughs> that would be the creepiest but kind of funniest thing ever but most i can promise we would do answer that, that and i don't condone this <clears throat> <laughs> anyway if you enjoy the guys from podcast tell anyone you can any way you can and the best thing you can do to help us get the word out there is to leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts or on whatever your podcatcher of choice is we are available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found and if i'm missing any of them you let me know and i'll make sure that you can get it somewhere hey dave is there anything you wanted to plug as i just alluded to before the olympics are coming this month so check those out cheer for your favorite country or your country if you don't have a favorite country weird uh watch a sport you might not otherwise watch Go sports! Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting the 11th time we've done this podcast, we also write articles on things like music. That's Indie Music Every Weekday, throwback tracks on Thursdays, movies, gaming, well, uh, I'd say South Park, but why bother? (laughs) You name it, we probably write about it. (laughs) Where can they find all that again? www.theguysfrom.com Hell yeah! Also, if you're looking for more horror stuff or to see me live-tweeting my random reactions to stuff like The Snake Woman, head to Instagram and at thedarkhalf, that's T-H-E underscore D-A-R-K-H-A-L-F, for basically what I was doing at iHorror, but doing it for myself. And, as with every time we do anything that has a list on it, I am sure that you have not played, listened to, read, and watched everything that we have mentioned so far today, so why not pick something that sounded dope to you and check it out? Yeah. 
if you have listened, watched, read, and played everything that we've talked about, you're like basically our kindred spirit, and that's awesome. Yep. So go Special to Base th- Basement. Yeah. <laughs> no. Special thanks to the Sweets for our wonderful opening music. You can check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. And as usual, special thanks to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our takeout music. As always, it's called Fearless First. And today's ad music was called Hyper Fun. This has been episode 204 of the Guys from Podcast. All of this is from Dave's Basement. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys from Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing but a reassurance that if you inject your wife with cobra venom, she probably won't give birth to a snake baby. Probably. I mean, science, right? Totally. (laughs) Way to back up my science, Dave.